The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back. And thanks for joining us again today as we take a few minutes out of our day in God's Word. We greatly appreciate you being with us. We commend you for making a point to uh, let uh, this podcast be something, a part of your day, not the podcast as much as what's covered, and that is the Word of God. And thanks for making the Word of God of vital importance. Uh, we are still in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. We're working our way about halfway through the chapter uh, as we're walking through. And today we're going to look, We've been, let me give you the theme again. The theme of the whole book is joy. Uh, as we've gone off kind of thinking, Warren, uh, Warren Rearsby once said in one of his books, there are joy robbers, four things that uh, can rob our joy. We mentioned in chapter one, it can be circumstances. In chapter two, it can be people. And so we've referenced a little bit of what that means. I won't repeat it. Uh, we, you can go back the last couple episodes and get some more detail what we mean by that. But how do we? How can we, in spite of the good, the bad, all that, still find joy when other, and, and sometimes we allow other people to take that from us? So let's evaluate Scripture as we look at this. And we're going to verse 12. Verse 12 is one of those sections of Scripture that if it is not interpreted correctly, uh, can be confusing and has been used by many uh, to be taught wrongly. And so I want us to look at it, and believe it or not, it comes down to really one word. If one word is different, and again, I'm not talking in the English, I'm going back more to the Greek. If, if one word it would be translated differently or written differently, it would completely change the theology of this section of Scripture. But of course it's not. It's, it's put in here correctly, and so we're going to evaluate that. That's the importance of the each line, line upon line, precept upon precept, every jot and tittle, everything that God's put in here. It's important that we understand that it's here on purpose. Let's go to verse 12, Philippians 2, 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as, not as in my presence only, but how much, now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So he starts off with this premise in chapter 12. This is the one to where a lot of people can find a level of confusion and I don't want to say controversy, some would say that. Verse 12, it says this, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. I want to start with that real quick. I hope that we wouldn't, as a church, say that we're only going to follow the Word of God, obey as He used the Word, go the right direction, uh, because somebody's there to see us do it, whether it be the preacher, someone else. I hope that we understand that our direction, our, our living right, our going the right direction, it doesn't really matter what any other person and things, especially really doesn't matter what a pastor thinks. Uh, we're, we're being seen by God. Proverbs tells us the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He sees us. So when we look at that, that's the premise. And Paul says that. I'm glad that not only were you headed the right direction when I was there, you're even more when I'm gone. Can I tell you something that's important about this? Paul leaves and he's bragging on the fact that in his absence, the church is flourishing. That shows you the health of a church. If the pastor disappears for a couple weeks and the church kind of, you know, no one shows up and kind of falls apart, that tells you the heart of the church. The heart of the church is more about, I, I want to listen to this pastor. Uh, you really should, the goal should be never a man. It should be God coming to worship Jesus, coming to worship God. And it should never be one person, no matter who it is. And we're going to have our preferences and preaching styles, things like that. But we should always just come, come to worship, come together, because it's what God wants us to do. So he's bragging on this church as a result of it. 
Then he says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is where people get confused because they come back and say, God's told us not to work for our salvation. So what in the world's going on here? This is where I said one word. One word makes the difference in the total interpretation of this verse. So in the second half, he says, work out, my, work out your own salvation. Notice he did not say work for your own salvation. If you took the word out and you, it was written for, which is a completely different preposition, but if you did that, uh, then it would be work for your salvation with fear and trembling. That's totally different theology. He's not telling us to work for. He's telling us to work out. He's telling us to strengthen what we already have. Now, we look at this phrase workout. It literally is the same phrase that we would use today. I'm going to go to the gym to work out. It is exercise. Exercise, develop, strengthen your salvation. So what he's asking, challenging them as a church to do is to say, you have been given a salvation. You've been given grace from God. You've been given everything you need for all of life. Now I want you to develop that. This is kind of, we talk about God has begun that process and he's given us the knowledge and wisdom and what to do, but we need to add on to that. Peter says this, add your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. I think I got all of them in there. That's what he's talking about uh, in Galatians where it said um, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. You see, these, these are things that we should be striving to add to. Yes, it's something God does in our life. So we're in the Word of God, we're in church, we're growing, we're listening to things like this. We're, we're allowing things to teach us and develop us so that we can grow in Christ. Be in places we can learn. Be in places where we can gain instruction to where I can learn from this and grow. And please understand, I love the online aspect of this, but there's a part where being around other people, there's an accountability. There is, I want to grow and I need other people around to help me do that. And um, that's an important part of what we do as a group. It's a very important part of something that we do. And that's why he's saying working out. Develop that. There is a part where we need to do that. So we're developing our own salvation. Let's go on and say why we do this. Kind of the motivation behind it. Verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. God is the one doing things in your life, developing you for his goodwill, his good pleasure. He's got a plan for you. It's not, it's not necessarily your plan, it's his plan. I guarantee you this, his plan's better, his plan is more fulfilling, his plan will accomplish more for the cause of Christ. Now I will say this, if your desire is not to glorify God and to see God use you to reach other people, then you're, you're gonna say, I don't want any interest in it. Uh, but if your desire is to be used of God, then this is what you want, this, this is what you're looking for. So I'm strengthening and developing and exercising out my salvation, what God has given me, because I can become more like him so I can, he can continue to do in my life what he wants to do for his goodwill and his good pleasure. Then he tells us again in verse 14, he gives a very straightforward instruction, do all things without murmurings and disputings. You can just say gripings and complainings. Gripings and arguments, that's what he's saying. Don't gripe, don't argue. And I will tell you that one of the things we see, you know, we talk about the fact that I believe is that churches are hospitals and, you know, when you see people come to church, they're, you know, come to hospitals, they're not doing great. As a matter of fact, sometimes you would say that if you're in a hospital, people see you in the worst condition you could be in. In a lot of cases, that's true. I'm not saying churches should be that, you know, we should always be in our worst situation, but I hope you understand the premise there. When we come to church, we're coming not putting on a front where we think we should be great or perfect. We're coming real, who we are. 
And that sometimes means that we're bringing in people who are struggling, they're hurting, and if we're not careful, that can lead, and our flesh can take over, and it can lead to griping, complaining, arguing, the conflict. He starts off Philippians chapter 2 with this, unity, not uniformity, but unity, the same purpose. And he's saying, don't, don't let that part of you drive for murmurings and complaining, because you know what? We always can find something to complain about. That's part of life. You know, if you look around, you can go outside and say it's a bright, sunny day, or it's too bright. You can complain about music. You can complain about the teaching or this, and I'm, I'm convinced of this, I really am. If our focus is on all, the, a lot of the smaller things that we have raised to be very important, Satan's got us. We're not seeing what's important. And what more often many preachers say, keeping the main thing the main thing. And, and Satan wants us to be focused on all of these small things, and as long as we're focused on the small things, we can't see. And please, please understand, don't, don't get deceived into thinking, well, if everything is the way I think it should be, then I'll be able to focus on the right things. That's just not right. If I'm going to focus on little things, I'm always going to focus on little things. I'm always going to find something. I should not be so weak in the spirit that so many small things are driving me down the wrong path. I should, I should be strong enough to be able to move beyond that. That's an important part of what we're looking at here in disputing, you know, fighting other people. Let, let's strive to show the love of Christ and not necessarily looking for ways to argue or complain. I continue in verse 15. Let's finish with this. It says this, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. I'm going to break down several things in this verse that we've done. That you may be blameless. It does not mean perfect. It just means, it means that when accusations are thrown at you, they don't stick. That your reputation is strong enough to where you're not perfect, but the accusations coming your way aren't validated by your actions. He, then he, I love what he says, harmless. You see, if we're griping, we're complaining, we're selfish, we're doing all these things, we are a harm to the cause of Christ. The world sees us and says, that's exactly what I'm trying to stay away from. So if we're doing these things right, developing and growing in Christ and not complaining and not doing these things, then we become harmless. We are not hindering to the cause of Christ. And he says, we are the sons of God without rebuke. Here's where we are, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We do live in that. A world that sees things, it's harsh, it's chaotic, it's empty, uh, people looking for help. We are living that way. May we live uh, blameless and without harmless in the midst of it. You know, we, our anger can hurt other people. The way we go online, or the way we talk, the way we say things, how we might approach other people. May people say, you know what, they claim to be a Christian. I want nothing to do with that. That's what he's trying to tell us to stay away from. That our spirit, that our actions, that our words should draw people to Christ, should resemble Christ, not necessarily tell people, I don't want anything to do with that. And it's important how we act that way, that we're not murmuring, we're not disputing, we're, we're living, that we're blameless and harmless. The sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom he shines as lights in the world. We are to be those lights in the world. But here's what we remember this. Verses are not, the verse numbers were added. They're not inspired. So he finishes the phrase. Uh, verse 14, you can actually have one thought. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that ye may be blameless and harmless. Here's the premise. If we're growing in Christ, we're going to be mature, then we're going to have an attitude and an action and words that honor God, and we're going to recognize that what we say and what we do honoring God is more important than getting our point across and then stating how we don't like this or that. I would say that some of the things we do as a Christian, it can, it can be frustrating with the way we speak about politics, the way we do a lot of other things. We should be pointing to Christ first and our words should exemplify Christ and not bring down. May our actions be ones that bring to Christ. That's part of growing in Christ. Growing in Christ uh, strengthening, working out your salvation. You're not perfect. You're not always going to be great, but developing more and more so that as you grow closer to Christ, you can sh 
amplify and be the example that Christ wants because you are the light of the world. Whether you know it or not, Christians are, uh, the world is looking to us. Many of them are. And may we have an example that lifts up Jesus and points people to him. Thanks again for joining us today on this uh, Tuesday morning. I want a great privilege to be together. I appreciate the time you've given me to be part of your day. I hope it's a help. I hope it's an encouragement. I hope it inspires you to believe that God is still doing something great in your life. Keep your eyes on him. Thanks for joining us today. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.